0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast with me, Harry Simiou, sponsored by LoserPool.com, a fantastic new betting game. Head over to LoserPool.com for more information. Now, this show is a review show, of course. It's episode 48, is that right? I need to check that. I think it's 48. Um, But it's also a bit of a preview show combined uh, due to the fact that Cardiff City come to the Emirates as early as Tuesday this week, Um, so... We'll be looking ahead to that one as well as reflecting on the Manchester United game. Uh, As disappointing as it was, we have to cover it. Um, Apologies, I haven't been producing as much content this week. Uh, Skipped a couple of shows due to the birth of my son uh, last Saturday. At least he let me watch the Chelsea game first before coming along, even if it was on my phone in the labour ward. Uh, But it doesn't matter. Um, He's here now, safe and sound, and it's time to get back to work uh, as far as the Chronicles of Aguna goes. (laughs) Of course, you hadn't already noticed by the sound quality I am recording this episode via my iPhone. Um, It's just more convenient right now. It's easier, takes less time, and it means I only have to sneak away for half an hour or so, as opposed to an hour and a half. So... Yeah, um, just given the way things are this week at home, up and down, uh, I need to uh, take the easier option. So apologies, um, I will get back to normal in the next few days, but that does mean that there is no YouTube video this week. Um, It will be uploaded there, of course, the episodes always are, but it will be in audio format only. Uh, So please, please bear with me, and I'm sure um, I'll get that all back on track ASAP. Right, let's talk Arsenal. So let's start off with Friday night's disappointing FA Cup exit at the hands of Manchester United. Um, As some of you will know who have been following me on Twitter, I was in the hospital all week last week. Um, And and to be honest, that meant that there was no real build up to this one for me. Um, My focus and attention was elsewhere. And to be honest, I didn't even know if I was going to get to the game. Um, But fortunately, we had some great news on Friday morning Thursday evening Friday morning I think it was and I thought you know what I need a break it's time to get out of here for a little bit let's go down to the Emirates and hopefully witness a good Arsenal performance but unfortunately that wasn't to be um actually maybe that statement is a little bit harsh the performance wasn't too bad I guess um for the most part but you know you can't afford to switch off defensively the way we did um it's the same problems isn't it over and over again. our inability to defend with with any sort of um, resoluteness. Is that even a word? We, we just can't seem to keep teams out at the moment. Um, United are obviously on a fantastic run of form and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has gone there. And, you know, this might be a little bit controversial, but I don't even think that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is that good a manager. I think that Manchester United just got themselves into a mess. And at that point, any change would have been a positive change. I genuinely believe that. Um, You know, Solskjaer's enthusiastic and he's got the fans on his side already and, you know, he seems like a nice enough chap, but is he a top football manager? In my opinion, no, not at the moment. It's not to say that he won't go on and become one, but right now, um, I think all he's done is gone in there, put his arm around certain players, Paul Pogba probably being the main one. you know, giving them a little bit of encouragement, told them how imperative they are to the team and how much he wants to build around them and, and basically just taken the shackles off. And that's provided um, brilliant results so far. But in that run, they hadn't played too many difficult teams. And I thought that, you know, coming to coming to uh, the Emirates would be a real test for them. Um, but yeah, let's look at the the, time, the team Sorry, that Unai Emery selected. So Petr Cech returned to the Arsenal goal and then it was a back four of Ainsley, Maitland, Niles, Sokratis, Babastathobulos, Koscielny and Saad Kalasinac. Midfield pivot of Lucas Torreira, Granit Xhaka uh, with Aaron Ramsey ahead of them. Iwobi operating from one side or from the other and Alexander Lacazette through the middle. Um, The substitutes bench was as follows. Elneny, Ozil, Lichstein Monreal, Leno, Mustafi, Gwen Doozy. Um, looking at Manchester United's team, um, you know you look at that that back four and you, you feel as though you can get at it. It was young, Baye, Lindelof, and Shaw. Um, you know you do feel that you can get at teams like that. Um, you know Baye and Lindelof both probably fantastic prospects. I think, and both were signed for quite hefty amounts and. I think people expected them to hit the ground running a little bit quicker than they actually have. But for me, looking at that and looking at our front players, I really felt that we could hurt this team. The part of the Manchester United team that concerned me was further forward. Um, you know, Alexis Sanchez looks to have refound himself under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Jesse Lingard, as much as I. Absolutely can't stand the prick. He's he's an effective player. Um, Romelu Lukaku is is a beast in that centre forward position. A little bit surprised that he got the nod over Rashford, but rotation for the cups and all that. And of course, Paul Pogba. Um, and, And what I think Manchester United done really well was, you know, the likes of Herrera and Matic in that midfield were very conservative in the sense that they weren't trying to bust the lung to get forward and get up in support of their front players. They they had a job to do in front of that back four and they'd done it very, very well. Um, and, and, you know, as a result, Pogba, Linga, Lukaku and Sanchez were allowed to go on and play. Now, um, I want to start off with the injury um, to Socrates, because I think that was probably the, the first sign of the, of the wheels coming off uh, in that game, I thought up until that point we had quite a bit of possession hadn't really made it count though, um, but neither had Manchester United it seemed a bit like a stalemate and and I remember saying to a mate in the stadium that I wouldn't be, have been surprised if this finished at nil nil. Um, at that point uh, you know, it was a bit of a standoff between the two sides, nobody really wanted to get caught out, um, Arsenal started with quite a bit of energy like they did against Chelsea were trying to press high up the pitch, um, but Manchester United had the quality to, to play their way out of that. And, and that's the danger with playing that way. I know I've criticised Emery recently for chopping and changing and, and his approach as being, you know, really confusing for the players. One week we're playing with sort of back five, back three, whatever you want to call it, with lots of possession across the back line, but no real urgency further forward. And then against Chelsea, we went back to the press, the press that we saw right at the beginning of the season, um, and it worked against Manchester United. I, I know what he was trying to do, and I think it was the right decision. So, I'm not going to criticize him this week for selection or approach. Um, I think he probably done what I would have done. Um, those of you who listen to the show regularly will know that Messer Erza will be my side, but other than that, um, you know, there's not too much to complain about. So, I'm not going to sit here and dig out the manager. Um, I feel I've been fair. In my criticism of him in the past, when he gets things right, I will give him credit. But equally, when he gets things wrong, um, I will call those out. So, yeah, um, not too much issue with the approach. But then, of course, we were rocked, weren't we, by the injury to Socrates? He um, took a... not entirely sure what happened there. Um, he sort of went into a challenge. He came off it um, looking hurt. He received... Quite lengthy treatment. He got up. He looked like he could barely walk. He made his way over to the touchline, um, was ready to come back on. And you're looking at him, and you're thinking, you know, is this guy able to continue? He could barely walk. He he was obviously looking up to the heavens in disappointment, um, and you could tell it really affected him mentally. I think, and he didn't want to give up, did he? He wanted to get himself back on the pitch asap, and. You know, as soon as he ran back on, he, he signalled for a substitute because he felt that the problem. He knew that he his game was over and it looks as though he'll probably be out now until the end of February. And for me, that's a massive blow because, you know, I've been critical of him in the past and I've said that it felt like we were shopping um, for, for sort of second-rate players, but he's probably been our most consistent centre-back. Actually, not even probably. He has been our most consistent centre-back this season, and so to lose him is, is a major blow. Um, I guess the, the the bright side of it is that Kishioni's back now and looks fitter, at least, and so him and Mustafi can deputise for the time being, but big blow for us, and I, I think that unsettled us quite a bit. And then, of course, United's uh, opening goal came um, you know, poor, poor defending once again. Alexis Sanchez managing to drift from Manchester United's left-hand side across the penalty area. Find himself inside the box. He rounded the keeper and uh, stuck it in the back of the net. And it was kind of classic Alexis Sanchez, wasn't it? And up until that point, I actually felt that Ainsley Maitland-Niles had dealt with him quite well. Um, and, and, you know, I know Maitland-Niles isn't a right back and. This is what happens when you play players out of position, isn't it? You you get caught in certain situations and the reactions perhaps aren't quick enough. Perhaps you don't step up with the back four when you should. I'm not saying that was the case in this goal, but, you, you know, the habits of a defender just aren't there. And, and as well as he's played and tried, you know, you're going to get found out. And I think Alexis Sanchez took advantage of that. He was clever. He peeled off Maitland-Niles. Nobody tracked the run and he ended up putting the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, Alexis Sanchez got a lot of stick from our supporters, and I guess rightly so. But for me, he ran to the corner sort of thing, and he put his arms up as if to say, I'm not going to celebrate. And I thought, you know what, fair play to the guy. And, um, you know, he was getting all sorts of abuse, and I was just thinking in my head, like, fair play. You know, he's he's scored. He's not made a massive fuss of it. And then one of those absolute twats, I can't remember if it was Lingard or Pogba, came over and they started doing this stupid celebration. And I thought, you know what, fuck you, Alexis. Um, you deserve it. Uh, you know, having not celebrated initially, I thought it was really disappointing that he took part in that stupid little i don 't know what it is aim to the skies, pretending to polish his boots. i don 't know what that bullshit celebration was um to be honest, but yeah that that disappointed me um because I kind of get why Alexis Sanchez left the club um you know nobody wants to see their best players join a rival, but you kind of get it, don't you because we've all spoken about the lack of ambition, the lack of investment, the poor management over the past two, three seasons. And you wonder how long you can keep top quality players at a club um, before they get fed up. And that's just what happened with Sanchez. He's not the first and he won't be the last. It happened with Van Persie, it happened with Nazri, it happened with Fabregas. Um, and, you know, so am I going to hold it against him forever? I don't particularly like him for it, but I'm not going to stand there and call him every name under the sun because, to be honest, I don't really care. And just two minutes later, Manchester United doubled their lead through Jesse Lingard. Um, it was a good move from Manchester United. They completely cut us open. And there we saw the problem with the way Unai Emery wants to play. If ever there was a goal to demonstrate the shortfall and the shortcomings of that particular system, this was it. Both our fullbacks had pushed on forward forward. Um, the, the defensive midfielders hadn't covered the spaces, um, and you know we tried to press United up the pitch. It didn't really work. They won the ball back and they broke on us, and and ultimately ended up with three attackers running at two centre halves. And the problem is for the centre halves. I feel sorry for them because they're then pulled, aren't they? Because when they want to stay narrow and as close to each other as possible, they can't do so because there's nobody in the right or left back positions. Meaning they have to drift out to the flanks creating a gaping hole in the middle. And if people don't get back in time, then you've got a massive problem. And I think it was Koscielny that got pulled out um, to that side. And then the cut back to Lingard was an easy one. And the finish was a simple one too. He just side footed it into the bottom corner, ran into the corner, done that absolutely pathetic moonwalk. And and just for the record, Lingard, your moonwalk is fucking shit. (laughs) So Yeah, Manchester United found themselves two up. And and at that point, you're kind of thinking game over. Um, And it was really disappointing because we'd we'd had lots of possession. Um, Hadn't really created a great deal, though, if truth be told, up until that point. Um, So, you know, it wasn't just defensively that we weren't up to scratch. We hadn't really created an awful lot. Um, And you could argue that United didn't really do much either but at the end of the day they took their chances and they found situations where we were exposed and they punished us for them and um you know like I said already that goal for me demonstrated the problem with playing the way that we did and the way that we do and the way that Unai Emery feels is best but then of course on the stroke of half time I think it was two minutes before the break Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with the simplest of tap-ins um put us back in the game and and then you're thinking you know it's 2-1 um arsenal back in it back in business and we're at home and we've got the bit between our teeth and we've got the advantage so uh you know let's go for it let's do it and, and let's give it a real go and you thought that the second half uh would be a really interesting one and that was of course um Another goal for Aubameyang, and he's now scored on all seven days of the week this season for Arsenal. Sounds like a bit of a pointless stat, but an interesting one nonetheless. So he'd already scored on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and now the Friday. Um, So the set was complete for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The second half began and Arsenal came out with all guns blazing, and and Aaron Ramsey um, had a fantastic header saved by Sergio Romero. Um, and, you know, if that had gone in, things could have been oh so different. Um, but it was a fantastic save. You know, some people will say uh, it was straight at him. But given the proximity of Aaron Ramsey at the time when he made contact with the ball, it was a pure reaction save, a brilliant save. Um, so fair play to Romero for that. Um, he's probably a, a much better second choice goalkeeper than people give him credit for. Um, Argentine international, of course. So, uh Yeah. And then from then on, you know, Arsenal had lots and lots of the ball, but did we really create a great deal? Probably not enough for me. Uh, not enough clear-cut opportunities. Um, and then, of course, on the 64th minute, we were rocked by another injury to another defender. Lauren Koscielny was... Um, he looked as though he was smashed in the face, and I think it was by Lukaku. I've not watched it back, to be honest, since. Um, but somebody smashed him in the face, and... He had a suspected broken jaw for which he had to be substituted and went off to hospital. Um, it's now being confirmed that it was just a severe bruising to the tissue and uh, he should be back quite soon, uh, hopefully, because we really need him now, don't we? Um, but Unai Emery opted to bring on Matteo Guendouzi and drop Granit Xhaka into the central uh, defence And, and, you know, a lot of people are critical of Granit Xhaka um, pretty much every week. And I I get it to a degree. I've always said this. I I do still think there is a player in there somewhere. And I get why people don't like him as well. But for me, you know, he's been a little bit unfairly treated this season, in my opinion, because he's always the one that's asked to go and play at centre-back, go and play at left-back, go and play at left-wing-back. And for me you're taking him out of his comfort zone and you're putting him in all these different positions and you're expecting the same level of performance and, and you're not really going to get that, are you? Um, and, and you know, given the fact that Nacho Monreal was on the bench, you'd have thought that that would have made more sense. You'd have brought Nacho Monreal on just to slot at centre-back alongside Mustafi. Nacho Monreal has proven in the past that he's more than capable of doing a decent job there and, and that I found strange. Also, at the same time, um when Keshoni was substituted Mesut Ozil was brought on as well um to replace Alex Iwobi and I actually thought Alex Iwobi was was quite a threat um on uh, on a Friday night I know his end product isn't usually there um but what Alex Iwobi gives you is is the ability to pick up the ball and carry it and run and drive at defenders and, and whatever people say, you know, fullbacks don't like that. And someone like Ashley Young playing at right back, who let's face it is not exactly a spring chicken. He wouldn't have enjoyed Alex Iwobi running up at him. You know, Um, Alex Iwobi is a tricky player. He's powerful. He's pretty quick and fullbacks don't like that generally, do they? Um, So I was surprised that he was the one that made way, if I'm being honest. And Ozil came on and kind of, took up a deeper role. Um, it was almost as though he was operating as a quarterback, picking the ball up from deep and looking to spray passes left and right. Um, and there were a few good passes. It's got to be said there were a few that didn't quite go as planned, but they were ambitious passes. So, um, you know, I'm not going to knock him for that. When you're looking for a goal, you need to try something out of the ordinary from time to time in order to to create space. And he, often drifted out to that left-hand side, a position he, he likes to to operate in. And, uh, you know, in between the 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 left-back, sorry, the right-back and the centre-back, that little channel there, um, a position that he used to link up with Alexis Sanchez very well. But he started to do that a little bit too, and there were some nice interchanges. But unfortunately, the, the final pass was just missing, wasn't it? It wasn't quite there, and Arsenal couldn't break United down. Um, despite having the lion's share of possession. And then, of course, um, late on, Manchester United made a couple of changes of their own. They made a double change on the 72nd minute. Rashford and Martial came on to replace Lukaku and Sanchez. I mean, that's not a bad pair to bring on, is it? Um, And then Phil Jones came on for Jesse Lingard um, in an attempt to to see the game out. So, you know, Arsenal were pressing and, and then, as you'd expect later on in the game, we started to take more risks and that's to be expected, isn't it? You you need to um, in order to try and get yourself back in the game and unfortunately, we were caught on the break um, late on. Uh, Paul Pogba picked up the ball in the middle of the park and people have spoken already about the lack of effort from Ozil and Guendouzi to get back and, and Ramsey too. I think that's a little bit harsh. I, I don't think that... A player of Pogba's quality should be allowed to pick up the ball in that sort of area completely unchallenged. And there was no defense, was there? there were, he literally glided through the middle of our team, um, eventually got a shot off Pedacek. Probably could have done it a little bit better with a save. He parried it right into the path of Anthony Marshall, who finished expertly and ultimately finished the game, uh, knocking us out of the FA Cup. But just before I finish on this game, let's look at the statistics, because Arsenal had 63% of possession. Um, 13 shots overall uh, compared to Manchester United's eight. Five shots on target compared to United's four. So it goes to show, doesn't it, that possession doesn't mean everything we had 63% of it um which is a fair chunk but only managed one more shot on target than Manchester United so you know it's about being efficient isn't it it's about taking your chances it's about making those opportunities count and and on the night we couldn't do that and Manchester United did and that is now their sixth win at the Emirates that's more than any other visiting side has managed since we moved there at the start of the 2006 2007 campaign and just to reiterate the point I made about it being um, all about taking your chances and being efficient there was just 149 seconds between United's first and second goals and they they were their first two efforts on target and they found themselves two tuning up um, so that just goes to show doesn't it it is all about taking your chances um, and and on the night we didn't do that Um, And as I've said on previous podcasts, if you're so bad defensively, which we are, uh, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise, then you then rely on your strikers being ever so efficient and they're going to have off nights, you know, Aubameyang and Lacazette are not going to score two, three goals every week. So, you know, when they don't fire as well and you can't defend the combination of the two things is, is very detrimental. And unfortunately we're out of the cup and, is it a bit of a blessing in disguise? It's It's hard to say that because as Arsenal fans, it's a cup that we've been very successful in. It's a cup that is close to our hearts. But at the end of the day, Arsenal's aim at the start of the season would have been to get back to into the Champions League. And if having a few weeks off here and there, when the FA Cup's going on helps and helps to ease the injury crisis and helps to make sure players stay as sharp and as fit as possible, then It might not be such a bad thing. After all, winning the FA Cup doesn't uh, give you a route back into the Champions League promised land. So mm, am I upset? I'm upset because we got knocked out by Manchester United on our own patch. But in the grand scheme of things, am I that bothered that we're not in the FA Cup anymore? Probably not. I think the thing for me is the fact that we've not improved defensively all season and it's really starting to grind on me now because there's only so long that you can make excuses for it. Um, yes, we don't have the greatest defenders in the world in our squad. Uh, we don't have top, top centre-backs to choose from. We don't even have top, top full-backs to choose from. But as a coach, um, you need to find a way of plugging some of those holes. You need to make your team as effective as it can possibly be. And I know that you know the personnel thing is is what people always talk about to defend Unai Emery, but for me, he's got to be coaching this defence better. What on earth does Steve Bold do? Um, a member of George Graham's brilliant defence, and this was a, a comment that came in from Guna Russ, um and of course from Graham Sutherland, and two of our, our regular listeners, who both highlighted this to me this week, and, and Graham's been highlighting it for weeks. What on earth does Steve Bold do? And, and the answer to that is, Probably not very much. I mean, is he there because he's part of the furniture, because he's got a, a name and a history with the football club? Is he there to uh, be sort of a go-between between the board and, and the management team? I don't know. Is he there as a go-between between some of the players and the management team? I'm not entirely sure what his role is. Um, he was Arsene Wenger's assistant, and lots of us were talking about um, the fact that he didn't... probably he. Sorry, he didn't really do that much then either. Um, but from what we know about Unai Emery, Juan Carlos Carcedo is the man when it comes to, to the defence. And he's not cutting it at the moment, is he? Because there's been absolutely no improvement. Um, just going to play you a little extract from Unai Emery's uh, post-match press conference um, where he says that our work was good. Mm. You agree with that? I'm not so sure. Uh, Let's listen to what he has to say, and then you can uh, tweet us your thoughts at Chronicles underscore AFC.
1: Good evening. Uh, I'm happy uh, because we our our work, I think, is good, but uh, the result is 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 bad. And I think today two things very negative is the result and is the, the injuries. And uh, they, they they don't help us to to be on the match. Uh, maybe with the result when when it's one-two, I think we are we were in this moment with the possibility to to draw and uh, take possibility to to win today. But uh, I think they. This, this this injuries above all the second they they didn't uh, help us because uh, the rhythm is is doing, going down and uh, and, and also uh, we need to change the the, the different uh, players for play in the central back but uh, I think. They have been very clinical today and uh, our moment in attacking I think we we, we were getting the box but uh, not creating the last passes the last uh, action to, to, to score but uh, we were a lot in, in their box and I think we deserve more but also we played against uh, Manchester United they are in the best moment in the season and also they have uh, a lot of players to, to, to do the difference, and when they are in the bench, also Rasford and, and, and Martial, they, they, they can play after and, and, and give them also a big performance.
0: So the work was good, but the result was bad. Let me know if you agree or disagree with Mr Emery. You can tweet me at Chronicles underscore AFC, or you can email us AFC at gmail.com. Now, I'm going to take a short break, and when I return, we'll be looking ahead uh, just briefly to the visit of Cardiff City on Tuesday night. Enjoying what you've heard so far? If so, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes. So, Cardiff City arrive at the Emirates Stadium on Tuesday night, and unfortunately, Cardiff City have been in the news far too much for their liking um, in this past week and not for positive reasons either. Unfortunately, uh, Emiliano Salah, their record signing, uh, disappeared um, after his plane uh, fell off the radar near the Channel Islands. And there's been no sign of the plane or any of those on board as of yet. Really, really, really sad news. And our thoughts go out uh, to Salah's family and and to uh, all his fans and, and to everyone with any association to him. You know, the whole football world is in mourning it's really really horrible news and you know Cardiff's preparation for this fixture would have been massively affected by this there's no doubt about that um and you know Neil Warnock has spoken about how difficult it's been for the club and and you know it's not often that I feel for Neil Warnock but on this occasion uh, I really really do
2: I've been in football management now um 40 years I think now and uh... It's by far the most difficult week in my career, by an absolute mile. It's um, the traumatic. You know, I can't um, even now. I can't get my head round uh, the situation. And um, you know, I, when I look at Romino and the family, etc., etc., I think it's uh, it's such a, a difficult time. I think you've got to. You know, I keep looking at my own children and and uh, and thinking what I would be doing now as well. So it's a. Uh, it's a, a very traumatic for area, but my sympathies are with them. I think uh, I think the, the family is, is, has been fantastic and, and a massive plus to uh, our fans and Nantes fans. I think they've been amazing as well. So a big thank you to all the fans as well. And uh, from our point of view here, um, I think really it's just as well we have a game tomorrow, uh, whoever it's against, and uh, to start getting back. Because it's, it's been... I've never seen a... a to say we actually, the lads never met Emiliano. We, you know, he came to the training ground last uh, Friday afternoon before we set off to uh, to Newcastle, and I had a few words with him then. But um, um, it's been in some a sombre mood all week. I've never, you know, like I say, from a personal point of view, I've never experienced anything like it, and uh, it's it's been amazing how the knock on w- with the players, the the uh, in training as well. So it's. Um, it's un- unknown territory i think that's how i would say it because it, it you know things like this just don't happen or you don't think they happen and um, it, whilst i say i've had to use all my experiences it's, it's probably hit me harder than anybody else because i've met the lad and talked to him for the last six or eight weeks uh, on numerous occasions and uh, and know how, he, how, how what how he was looking forward to this
0: so once again, I just want to reiterate that obviously our thoughts and best wishes go out to the family of Emiliano Sala at this really, really difficult time. And um, it's sad to hear, really, that the, the public search operation ended on Thursday after the rescuers uh, found no trace of the plane. Um, I think you've got to keep looking, haven't you? That family needs closure, uh, if not anything else. I mean, the chances of, of Sala being found alive are, are very, very slim. Um, which is sad to say, of course, but as the family, surely you'd want to know uh, what happened. You'd need some closure. And um, I was pleased actually to read that his sister Romina uh, had set up a GoFundMe page and, and has raised more than 300,000 euros um, in order to try and continue the search for as long as possible. And some uh, professionals such as Lionel Messi, uh, Sergio Aguero and Angolo Kante have offered uh, financial support as well uh, to the mission. So, you know fingers crossed that that they can get the answers they need and and you know try to get on with life and and try to move on from what is a horrible horrible situation um i feel like Cardiff's preparation would have been dominated by this um this week and you know I'm not going to sit here and talk about tactics or or how i think they might approach the game because i think it's important that this situation uh, gets the respect that it deserves and and i'm sure when Cardiff arrive at the Emirates on Tuesday evening, Arsenal, uh, as a football club, will do their utmost to, to make them feel welcome, show their sympathies and, and stay classy because, you know, you can criticise Arsenal all you want for for certain other aspects, uh, but in terms of their their class and, and their professionalism, you can never knock them for that. And I'm sure that we'll pay tribute to Emiliano Salah before the game on Tuesday uh, during it and, of course, after. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's me. On Cardiff City, and uh, we'll be back, of course, on Thursday as usual. And on that show, we'll be looking back at the Cardiff game and looking ahead to the weekend's game. Um, so, yeah, show schedule's taken a bit of a beating again due to the fixtures, but you know, that's the nature of football, isn't it? We've got to chop and change, we've got to be adaptable. Um, so, apologies if it's all a little bit confusing. The preview show is normally on a Thursday, and the review show is normally uh, out on a Monday evening, Tuesday morning. So, Slight change to the schedule once again, um, in terms of the content that we'll be producing on those days but it cannot be helped if you haven't already please subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna you can do so on YouTube on iTunes uh, or you can follow us on SoundCloud or Spotify depending on where you're listening from any reviews are helpful as are comments Uh, they help us climb further up the search engines so uh, we do really really appreciate those and we have a Patreon page if you head over to patreon.com Forward slash Chronicles AFC. Uh, we've got a page from which you can support the podcast. As I said previously, it's completely optional; you don't have to. But your support allows us to produce more content, allows us to get better guests on, um, and allows us to to do a lot more. For those of you who sign up as patrons, you will be getting an extra episode each month, uh, which will normally be something historical or um, you know a profile of a certain player or a certain time. Uh, during the club's history and and that will be available to patrons only and of course you'll have an option to vote on what you would like that extra episode to be about Uh, so your input is greatly appreciated until next time take care of yourselves and uh, we'll speak again very very soon